Well, I, you know, I keep thinking that I'm going to get off talking, behold, he's more than just a man. And, uh, and then I always kind of, Lord just keeps speaking to me about it. So maybe it'll turn into a book. We'll see. But um, just I want to continue on this aspect of, of show us your glory. And, and how do we see the glory of God? It's when we look at Jesus. Right? Second Corinthians chapter 4 tells us that as we, we see the knowledge of the glory of God and what in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's as we behold Jesus and as we see Jesus. There's things coming. So lift up your sights. You've been looking in the same places. But there's new things, and there's new things I want to show you. And it's going to be far beyond what you think, and far beyond what you can imagine. Lift up your head and look at new things. There's greater things than where you are, because where you are, they've limited you. So I'm going to put you in a place, in a pasture, where you're without limits. And they'll honor your gift. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You have your Bibles turned to Hebrews, and while you're turning there, uh, Rick said a lot of good things last week. Um, you know, I love when he talks about keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing is Jesus. So, we're talking about being a you know glorious church, there's a lot of different things. You know, the glory of in you, the you know uh, in Isaiah 60, how the glory will come on you and be seen on you, and and I came across this. Uh, segment that, that came out of uh, Billy Brim's teaching. Her, her and Gloria were teaching about the glory of God, and I don't know what episode. It was, I think it was actually day three, and, uh, and, and I just want to read this to you. This is how she began her ministry, and it says this, the church is approaching her finest hour. It will fulfill its ministry just as its first body fulfilled its ministry, but it must be preached to as though it would succeed and not as though it would fail. You know, too often we, we have a mentality or in Christendom through the years, there's been this mentality of, well, we're Christians and no one likes us or we're always persecuted. And we always look at, we, we, we can look at some negative aspects and we can look at all the negative that's going on in the world instead of just being the light we're called to be. See, we are a city set on a hill. The glory of God is on us and will be seen on us. And it, tell, it talks about how sons shall come from afar and daughters will be nursed at the side. And it talks about how, how the Gentiles will come to that light. And, and so there's this thing. So we, we, you, when you talk about the glory of God and you talk about the glory of church, glorious church, where I'm not never going to preach from the standpoint of, well, the church is going under. We're just, we just don't know what to do. We, no, the church is going higher and higher and higher. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And as it gets darker and darker in the world, I believe it's going to get brighter and brighter in the church. Amen. So here it says this, but it must be preached to as though it would succeed and not as though it would fail. Meaning the church is going to succeed. The church is not going to fail, not going to fail. Just say this over your own life. Say, I'm going to succeed. I'm not going to fail. See, God has plans for you, and not one of them includes defeat. God has plans for the church, and not one of them includes defeat. If you go out and preach this message, it will have something to do with my being about to change the church from glory to glory. So he was telling, the Lord was telling Billy Brim, you know, when I go out and preach, when you go out and preach, everything I'm going to want you to preach is for the church to go higher, 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 for you to go higher, for the church to go See, if you don't go higher, the church can't go higher. See, yeah, I mean, I, I'm grateful for all the epistles that Paul writes, and I'm grateful for everything he writes, and, and we can hold on to those thing, things that are written to us as individuals, but realize he was also writing to churches, and he's coming back for a glorious church. Say glorious church. Glorious church. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we've got about several things rolling around in my heart that, that we'll, we'll see how this comes out this morning. But I'm just believing for just an unction from the Holy Spirit to be able to, to say exactly what needs to be said this morning and, and for us to go where we need to go so we can leave with what we need to leave with. Amen? Amen. Amen. To leave higher than when we came in here, right? Amen. 
Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, he spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He hath in these days, say these days, days. spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory. See, as we behold Jesus, we see the glory of God. And here it says, who being the brightness of his glory. See, in the, last, in the early days, he spoke about to the prophets. But in this day, in our day, what is he doing? He's speaking unto us by his son. Meaning, meaning we can see everything that God wants to do in us and what he wants to do in the church can be seen in Jesus. And we're going to lay that out. We're going to lay it out as individually and we're going to lay it out as the church. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So here, if I'm looking at Jesus, I'm seeing the brightness of God's glory and I'm seeing the image of God. Colossians 1.17 says that Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. So if you want to see what God looks like, how God acts like, then look at Jesus. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. Thank God for that. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Say it's finished. So here we see Jesus was the brightness of God's glory. He was the express image. He purged of our sins and he sat down, meaning Jesus accomplished and finished what he needed to finish. Now it's us to do our part. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter two. Behold, Jesus, he's more than just a man. Verse nine says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. That word angels there is actually translated Elohim, which means the same word for creator of all things. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He tasted death for every man. He tasted death for every... You know what? You and I aren't going to die. He already tasted death for every man. Amen. You know what? You know, if you have a loved one that went on to be with Jesus, you know what? They didn't die. They just, they just transitioned. Amen. They, they just went to a different place. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10, for it became him, for it became Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Meaning because Jesus was our captain, because of what Jesus did, not only did he sit down, not only was the brightness of God's glory, not only would we look, look unto Jesus, but we are looking unto him. Why? Because he is bringing many sons unto glory. Right, let's go to Hebrews 3. And I, I could really show you this throughout the first seven chapters in this because everything is pointing to... This aspect of what starts in verse 10 is Jesus is our high priest. But here in verse 3 of Hebrews 3, I'm sorry, verse 1 of Hebrews 3, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So you're partakers of a heavenly calling, meaning you are, Vic, you know, we're in partnership. Yes. Amen. We're in partnership. Thank you for preaching last week at that house of deliverance, man. I heard you did an awesome job. Hallelujah. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, I'm just laying some groundwork here, all right? So here we see, to, to see him as the brightness of his glory, to see him that he brought to bring, to bring many sons into glory. And here he says that we're partakers of a heavenly calling. And he says, consider, consider, look at, focus at, give attention to, the apostle, high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Pay attention. Look, behold Jesus. Look at him as the high priest of your profession, or you could say your confession. Who was, so look at him. And then it says, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. 
For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who had built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Verse 6, but Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast? The confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Let me read the Amplified. It says, But Christ the Messiah was faithful over his own father's house as a son and a master of it. And it is we who are now members of this house if we hold. So we're members of this house if we hold fast and firm to the end. Now get this. Our joyful and exultant confidence and sense of triumph in our hope in Christ. I know there's a lot, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot of scriptures here, but I, I want you to be on the, us to be on the same page where we're going, because I want you to see Jesus. He was the high priest. Pay attention to Jesus, who is the high priest, and how he was faithful over his, his house as a son, and we're to hold firm with a confidence and a sense of, you know, because of Jesus, you should have a sense of triumph, Art. Because of Jesus, we shouldn't be hopeless. Because of Jesus, who is our high priest, who sat down and completed the work, we should have joy in our hearts. We should have hope in our spirits. We should have, our our life should be established upon this hope and this joy that is building about this faith. Why? Because of what we're looking at, what we're focusing on. Show us your glory. Show us your goodness. Show us your power. Show us your presence. Verse 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice. Now, the next several verses talks about not hardening your heart. But let's pick this up in verse 12. Therefore, brethren. (coughs) So I was telling us, how how are we to live? Therefore, brethren, take care, care, lest there be any one of you a wicked and unbelieving heart which refuses to trust in and rely on and leading you to turn away and desert and stand aloof from the living God. Now here, he's telling us, I want you to focus on this Jesus, this this Christ. Focus on this Savior. Consider him. Why? Because he was victorious over his house and we are his house. So we should have something to have faith in and we should have joy in this. But then he, he warns them, he goes, but don't harden your hearts. You know what? We can sit in church Sunday after Sunday and be hearing the word, but yet sit there with a hard heart. I've done it. And here he tells in verse 12, he, he tells about this heart. He says, leading you. So this lifestyle or this sin or the way the world's going, that this would lead you to turn away and deserve, desert and stand aloof from the living God. Meaning here, it's like, okay, here you are with God, but what happens is there's something over here that's wanting to lead you from where you need to be. See, the enemy wants to lead you away from the glory of God. He he brought us to sons into glory. And see, the enemy wants to lead you away from glory. See, that's that's what happened from the very beginning in, in the garden. Adam and Eve were clothed with it. And what happened? The enemy tried to to separate. The enemy wanted to separate them from God. And see here, he's the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, hey, don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your heart be led away by these other things and stand aloof from what? The living God. Let's look at verse 13. But instead, warn one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, by fraudulence or strategy and, tri- and, and trickery, which is delusive glamour of his sin may play on him. Verse 14, for we have become fellows with Christ the Messiah and we share in all he has for us. Close your eyes for a moment and just listen to, listen to that and let this get into your heart. For we have become fellows with Christ and we share in all he has for us. Let me say it again. For we have become fellows with Christ. 
One translation says, we have been mingled with the Messiah and we share in all he has for us. You can open your eyes. We are fellows with Christ. And I just want to lay a foundation because what I want you to, what I want us to deal with in several aspects of this this morning is the importance of personal unity. I'm going to deal with corporate unity. First, I want to deal with this personal unity. He, here he says, he goes, for we have become fellows with Christ and we share in all he has for us. You see, see this, this relationship with Christ, he, he has brought us into glory. He shared the very best of everything that he had. The very best of heaven is available to you and I. Now, some of you didn't get it. The very best of heaven is available to you. He brought you into glory. Everything that you have need of is found in the glory of God, in the goodness of God, in the presence of God, in the power of God. And here he says that we are fellows. We we are mingled with the Messiah and we share. We, you need to understand the power of your personal unity with Jesus. Amen. We talk about show me your glory and seeing the glory of God. There's an element throughout Scripture there that there is a glory and a level of the glory that is released when unity is present. See, you need to value your personal relationship with Jesus. You want to see the glory of God in your life in a way that you've never seen it before? Continue to cultivate your personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about your pastor's relationship. It's not about your wife or your husband's relationship. It's not about your famous preacher you watch on TV's relationship. It's about your personal relationship with Jesus. Your personal relationship with Jesus. There's got there. You have to understand when you unify with Jesus, it releases. See, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life and I unified myself with him, he brought me into glory. Now, what what the enemy wants to do is he wants to lead me. uh, He wants to lead me away and stand separate from where I'm to be unified. That's what these scriptures are all talking to us about. I'll just go here real quick. In in, in, uh, Psalm 63. You don't need to turn there. I'll read this. You can go to John chapter 17. But Psalm 63, there's something about your personal unity. There's something about, let me put it this way, there's something about your personal pursuit. Psalm 63 says, David says this, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. He goes, my soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. He says, to see thy power and thy glory. So have I seen thee in the sanctuary. Amplified reads this better. It says, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Here, David is saying, you know, out there in the world, when I'm separated from you, you know, it's dry and weary. There's nothing out there. I'm dry. I'm weary. There's no, there's nothing to strengthen me. There's nothing to empower me. There's nothing to, to give me refreshing. There's nothing to, to give me peace. There's nothing to give me hope. But yet, but yet, when I go into your house, but when I go into your house, when, when I go into your sanctuary, when I go into your sanctuary, I see your power and your glory. See, it was about his personal relationship with the Father. It was his personal pursuit with the Father. See, see, th- th- there's an aspect that you need to get unified with Jesus. And it's not just, it's, this is a daily thing. This is a daily pursuit. This is, I'm hooked up with Jesus and Jesus is hooked up with me. Let's look at John chapter 17. Jesus understood something about the power of his personal unity. There's power in unity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John 17. Verse 4. Jesus says, I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work that you gave me to do. 
And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory, with the glory. Man, Jesus was so, Jesus was desperate for this glory. Jesus said, he says, apart from it, I can't do anything. This was, this is what Jesus, how Jesus lived his life. It was a constant fellowship with the Father. It was this constant union with the Father. It was this personal unity he had the Father. And he says that, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee, with thee, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And Jesus is even telling us, like, you know, I tapped into a glory on the earth, but you know what? There's still a glory to tap into. He was saying, there was the glory I experienced when I'm with you. There's a glory I experienced on the earth, but there was a glory that I experienced when I was with you. Jesus understood the value of this personal unity. Go to John 15. John 15. Unity. There's power in unity. The glory of God manifests in unity. When Jesus was unified with the Father, the glory of God flowed through his life. Verse 4 of John 15 says, Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know what? You can't bear fruit by yourself. Jesus is communicating in here and he's, he's, he's wanting his disciples and he's, he's giving, you know, I, John chapter 14, 15, 16 is really, I believe, Jesus giving the disciples insight on how to live after he's gone. And he's telling them this insight and he's saying, you know, abide in me and I in you. See, it wasn't just abide in me, but it was abide in me and I will abide in you. It was this unity with Jesus. We are mingled with the Messiah and we share in everything that he has. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Hallelujah. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, it says the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus was what we read, saw in Hebrews 1. He's the brightness of God's glory. If any man abide in me, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in the glory and the glory abides in him. The same brings forth much fruit for without the glory, you can do nothing. If a man abide in the glory, not doesn't abide in the glory, he's cast forth as the branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them to fire and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So here, once again, Jesus is championing this whole aspect of personal unity, abiding in him, unifying in him. Not only do we have to, for, for us to see greater measures of the glory of God being unified with Jesus, But I believe we need to understand something about corporate unity. Not only do you need to be unified with Jesus, but we need to be unified one to another. There's power in unity. There's power. in If we're going to see the glory of God in in, in the last days, as the Bible prophesies about, there's going to have to be not only our personal unity that we're releasing on a daily basis, but there needs to be a corporate unity amongst us as believers, amongst us, the the body of Christ as a whole. There's power in unity. 
I could show you, you countless things throughout the New Old Testament. One of them is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It said, as all the priests stood and ministered, and they all declared, bless the Lord all my soul, as they declared, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And they declared that. It said, the glory of God fell. And it said that the presence of God was so strong that the ministers couldn't even stand to minister. Oh, I invite those times. I, 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 I desire a time when I can't stand up here and teach. Amen. That you can't even stand up on your feet because the glory of God is so heavy. But see, all this is going to be birthed out first in your personal relationship with God. And when you bring your personal relationship with God to the, to the house and we all bring our relationship with God together, what you're going to see is you're going to see an explosion of the glory of God. Psalms chapter 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is for brethren, brethren to dwell together in unity. And verse 3 says, because there, that's where the Lord commands his blessing. God commands his blessing in the presence of unity. There's something that takes place when you're unified with Jesus and when we're unified one with another. Go to Matthew chapter 18. Show us your glory. Hallelujah. I'm still declaring that. Show us your glory. But also started declaring, I see your glory. I see your goodness. I see your presence. And I see your power. Just bring it into right now. I see your glory. I see your presence. I see your power. Yeah, show me your glory, but also I see it. I see your glory. I'm expecting. I'm expecting how the great things that God's going to do in this house, the great things that God's going to do in your life and through your life. Hallelujah. I guess I need to get to Matthew, don't I? Matthew. This is power and unity. Matthew 18, verses 19. Jesus gives us some more instruction on unity here. It says, again, I say to you that have two of you. He, he said, again, I say to you. So this must have been something that he said more than one time. Again, I say to you, how many times did Jesus try to get this point across to them? For us, we only see it one time in the Gospels. But here he says, again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven for where two or three are gathered together, where two or three, where two or three are gathered together. There am I in the midst of them. There am I in the midst of them. There I am in the midst of them. Where two or three so are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. You know what? He didn't say God is in the midst of them. Jesus said, I am in the midst of you. I am in the midst of you. When two or three are gathered in this place, no matter where you are, realize glory, the brightness of God's glory is in the midst of you. Hallelujah. Whether you feel it, whether you sense it, whether you know it, whether you ever see anything with your natural eyes, if two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. He's there. You know what? God's here this morning, whether you feel him or not. The power of God is here, whether you sense it or not. The goodness of God is here, whether you know it or not. Hallelujah. That's the power of unity, Vic. That he manifests where two or three are gathered. There's power in unity. Let's go to John chapter, back to John 17. John 17. Thank you, Father. So not only did Jesus talk about his personal unity with the Father, now he, he talks to the disciples some more. In verse 11, he says, And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I'm come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, that they may be one, that they may be one as we are one. This was Jesus' heart cry 
for every single one of us, that they would be one. You realize that the disciples were made up of different groups of people, different backgrounds, different races. And here, you know, and that's what I love about it. We're not just one kind of church. We're a white church, black church, whatever you want to call it, a, a young church, old church. It doesn't matter. We, we, they, hey, what? We're, we're in unity here. We're, we're all pursuing Jesus here. Our eyes are on Jesus here. My eyes aren't on your financial status or the color of your skin. My eyes are on Jesus. And you see, here, Jesus' prayer is that they would be one even as we are one. Verse 20 says, neither pray I for these alone. So now Jesus not, isn't just praying for the disciples. Now he, he says this, neither pray I for these alone, meaning I'm not just praying for the disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Meaning, meaning what's going to come from the disciples? I'm praying for them. You see, see, Matthew declared something to somebody I didn't know years ago, and then they declared it to someone else, and they declared it to someone else, and they declared it to someone else, and somehow it got to Justin. So Jesus wasn't just praying for the disciples, but Jesus was praying for everyone that would eventually believe on what the disciples released. Hallelujah. And what did Jesus tell them? Verse 21, that they would all be one as the father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory, which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one man, that they may be one. You see, is our unity and the end of verse 21 says that the world might believe you see, it's our unity in here that will cause the world to believe out there. It's our unity. It's our unity with one another. It's our love one for another. Verse 22 says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Now what? And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Do you think Jesus gets his prayers answered? Does Jesus get, does, do you think Jesus gets his prayers answered? And Jesus says, and the glory which you gave me, I have, you've been given the glory of God by Jesus. Yeah. That's good. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. The glory which thou gave me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world might know that thou hast sent me, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. I tell you, the New Testament church was established upon the power of unity. You know what caused the church to explode? It was unity. It was the word of God. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was hearts that were unified. It was the power of the word. It was the fullness of his presence. And it was the unity of the believers. It was a Roman, it was a, it was a Christian leader. His name's Tertullian. And he, he lived in, around uh, AD 150 to 240. And, and he was a writer and he, he, he wrote about the Roman church. And uh, he said that the, the Roman government would send spies into the Christian church. And the, the Roman spies that were atheists would come back, to their, come back to their leaders and they would say, they would say, man, we don't get this group of people. He goes, they gather in an empty room. Because see, the whole thing about the Roman Empire is they wanted Christians. They didn't trust Christians because the Christians wouldn't burn incense to the emperor. So because they wouldn't put any incense on the altar for the emperor, they didn't trust the Christians. But so that's why they sent these spies to come in there and they would send these spies and they were like, man, we don't get these people. They're weird. They said they gather into a room. There's nothing on the walls. There's no images that they worship. They talk about this man named Jesus. They worship this guy they can't see, but yet they're expecting to show up anytime. 
And they said this, they said, they said, but their love for this Jesus and their love for one another, we don't understand. This was, this was 150 years after Jesus came and this was going on in the church of Rome. And yet, yet why? Because it was, everything was birthed out of what Jesus prayed right here. Go to Acts chapter 2. You with me this morning? Uh, Say the glory of God's here. here. Hallelujah. Look to your neighbor and say, I sure do love you. (laughs) Hopefully you didn't have to do that by faith. Um. (laughs) Hallelujah. Power and unity. See, this is all, this is all, this is a personal unity with Jesus, but there's got to come this personal unity with the body. In Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing and a violent blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. See, they were assembled together. And there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. When they were assembled together, when 120 people showed up, what happened was, is what Jesus declared and prayed in John 17, all of a sudden manifested in Acts chapter 2. And the same glory. Well, what glory is he talking about? Well, I, I, can, I can just say it real quick like this. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the book of Acts. But, at Roman, but Romans chapter 6 says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. Acts chapter 8, verse 11 says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. So when Jesus said uh, that glory, the same glory, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You know what? And when we come together in unity, it causes the Holy Spirit to manifest and to manifest the gifts of God, to manifest the power of God, to manifest the goodness of God, to manifest the gifts of the Spirit that cause the church to increase in profit with all. But it's all birthed out of this unity. Acts, go to Acts chapter 3. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them all the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power, with great power, with great power, gave the apostles witness. You see, the, the, the great power showed up what? when there was great unity. When they were assembled together. Verse 32, and they multiplied, and, they, and they, the multitude of them that believed had one heart and one soul. One heart and one soul. They were all in unity. And when they were all in unity, it said, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Hallelujah. See, your personal unity with the Father and Jesus. But realize also, for us to see the glory of God in greater degrees, there's a corporate glory, there's a corporate anointing. There's a corporate power when we come together here with our focus on Jesus and our love for one another. It calls the church to explode. Show us your glory in Crowley, Texas. Show us your goodness in South Fort Worth. Show us your glory. Let your goodness, your presence, your power flow through this body. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were more added, verse 14. And the believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. They laid them on beds. Wow. Verse 14 again, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by 
might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. But verse 12 says this, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord. See, all those things happen based out of what? Unity. Unity. There's power in unity. Hallelujah. There's power when the church is unified. Hallelujah. One heart, one mind. All of us coming in here with the same focus that we want to see God. We want to hear from God. We want to know him. Good Ephesians. Thank you, Father, for unity. Ephesians. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4. This personal unity, this corporate unity. I want us to stretch our faith to see things happen in our lives, through our lives, and in this church, things we've never seen before. I mean, all of us, I, I believe, if you be honest, we all want to see miracles happen through our hands. We, be, we all want to be used by God, right? No, no one would say, no, I don't want to be used by God. No, no, everyone wants to be used by God. This is, this is all about our fellowship with Jesus and sharing with him. And, and I want us to stretch our faith to see The glory of God manifests in ways we've never seen before. In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints in the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, in the glory that's supposed to take place in here, is to also go outside these walls for signs and wonders to happen through your life, no matter where you are. This isn't just, I'm not talking about just ha- things happening in here, but I'm talking about things happening through us, the glory of God happening through us. So here, these gifts, these pastors or prophets, evangelists, is for the perfecting of the saints, for them to do what the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. There is a unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God. There's a unity of the faith and there's a coming into the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Meaning because we're unified in faith, but we're also unified in knowing Jesus. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we're coming together and we're growing up into the fullness and stature of Christ. Meaning the church is growing up in such a way that the church looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, and walks like Jesus. That when people come into this church, they see and sense Jesus. They go, they go out and see you and work, they see Jesus. This unity of the faith. This unity of the faith. Don't discount coming into this place and releasing your faith on behalf of someone else. Don't come in this place just releasing your faith for you. Come in this place with the unity of the faith of what God wants to do, period. Faith moves mountains. 
See, someone might need you to get hooked up with them because they need a mountain moved. Your faith just isn't for you. Your faith is for the body. It's not just about your miracle and your breakthrough, but it's about the body's miracle. It's about the body's breakthrough. Because when you win, I win. When I win, you win. Unity of the faith. Having a pursuit after Jesus. Unity with him. Having a corporate unity. Now we'll close with this. Go to Hebrews 11. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want you to see what faith can do. I want to deposit this scripture in our hearts for us to lay hold of something. For you to lay hold of something personally, but for us to lay hold of something as a body. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Hebrews eleven thirty two, and says, "What shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets." Now get this: Who through faith? You must see what faith does. Who through faith subdued kingdoms? Think about that for me. Faith subdues kingdoms. What kingdoms may be waging against your children? What kingdoms are waging against our local schools? What kingdoms might be waging against our local government? What kingdom is waging against the the people in the world that are lost, broken, and hurting? Here, it says that through faith, faith subdues kingdoms. Faith subdues, brings into captivity kingdoms. Your faith is not just for you, but it's to subdue kingdoms. Branch your thinking out greater than just yourself. This is to subdue kingdoms. There's a... There's a kingdom of darkness that is waging against all communities. You know what? So as a church, we need to take our place in corporate unity and the unity of the faith and subdue the kingdom of darkness in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our governments. Hallelujah. This is probably going a little deeper than I thought it was going to go. But faith is subdue kingdoms. Then it says this, faith wrought righteousness. Meaning, what is wrought righteousness is meaning, meaning they did what was right. They did what they were supposed to do. They finished their assignment. A scripture to go with that Jesus said, I must be baptized by him for me to fulfill all righteousness. So here, faith... Not only is it to subdue kingdoms, but it's to complete your assignment. You, we have faith. You have faith to complete your assignment. We as a body, we have a corporate faith to finish our assignment as a church. And it says this, faith was, it obtained promises. Faith obtained promises. What promises are you holding on to? Faith obtains promises. What promises has God given you? You know, God has given us a promise of this city. So faith obtains promises. I'm, Annette and I are holding on to promises for your life, for your family, for your finances, for your job, for, for, for your children. We're, we're obtaining promises. It says faith stopped the mouths of lions. Whew. Faith quenched the violence of fire. Faith escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, we're made strong. 
Are, are you weak? Here it says faith out of weakness. You were made strong out of weakness. You were made strong. Are you weak this morning? Well, in a corporate faith, you can be made strong. Wax valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Meaning, not that they couldn't be delivered, they refused to be delivered. See, some people say, well, well, God wanted them to be a martyr. He goes, no, they chose to be martyrs. They didn't have to be. People try to use this scripture. It's like, well, well no, no, they wanted to be a martyr. <laughs> God didn't martyr. No, they chose to be martyrs. I mean, their faith was there to say, I'm ready to see Jesus. You see, I mean, I could go on and on this morning, but, but I really want this, this, this whole principle deposit in our hearts this morning about seeing the glory of God and him showing us the glory of God. It's going to all be a catalyst of our unity with him personally and our unity one another as a body. And it's out of that unity as a body that brings forth miraculous things. It brings forth growth. It brings forth strength. It brings forth, you know, one can chase a thousand, but what two can put 10,000 to flight. So, so we are better when we're together than we are apart. So we have to understand the power in unity and we will see the glory of God, the manifested presence of God in greater degree as we step into this avenue of unity. The enemy to corporate unity is selfishness. But selfishness is a product of the lack of your own personal relationship with Jesus. Selfishness is birthed at a lack of intimacy with God. Let me say it again. Selfishness is birthed out of a lack of intimacy with God. And if you have selfishness individually, it's impossible for you to have unity corporately. So we first, every single one of us, have to take on this mantle, take on this mandate, you know what, of the value of our personal unity with Jesus. And out of that birth, a corporate anointing that causes great things to happen, amazing things to happen. This week, set aside time every day, every single one of you, Whether it's five minutes, 15 minutes, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not about in a value of, of how long you do it. Set it in your phone. Set some, set, set some time where you get alone personally with Jesus. Because, you, because what's going to happen is all of a sudden as you fall in more in love with Jesus, you'll start falling in love with more and more what he falls in love with and that's people. And the, the greater and greater, you'll see breakthroughs happen in your life when you get you off you. So my assignment for you this week, every day, set aside time in seeking the Lord. If it's five minutes, 15 minutes, 10 hours, it doesn't matter. Start somewhere. And allow this personal, get unified with Jesus. Abide in him. Abide in his word. And I believe as we do this on a consistent basis, I believe when we gather Sunday after Sunday, there's going to be greater things taking place in us as a body. There's going to be a momentum that is going to, there's a, a spirit of God is going to hit this church in a way that we've only confessed about and declared about. There's, there's going to be supernatural things happening here. And I want us to start this week. Dr. Savell hasn't been with us in a couple months and, and he's going to be with us next Sunday, right before the believers convention. I'm expecting, I'm expecting for us to come, come together unified and things are just going to continue to propel us forward as individuals and as a body. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have a heart for the body. Yes. Jesus loves the body. Keep hearing, he, he, Jesus, I keep hearing, say, I love my body. I love the body. I love the body. I love the body. Hallelujah. And I believe as we continue to grow in that, I'll tell you, we're, 
We're going to obtain promises. We're going to subdue kingdoms. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone stand to your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just if you can, just kind of go arm in arm with the person next to you. Just kind of lock arms like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Philippians chapter 1 and the Amplified, I believe it's around verse 27. Paul says this, I pray I hear this of you. He could have, Paul could have said all kinds of things. He could have declared so many things. He could have prophesied so many things. He could have talked about the gifts of the Spirit. He could have declared so many things. But he said this. He said, I pray I hear this of you, that you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray I hear this of you, that you're striving side by side. Just in right now, in this atmosphere, this presence, and, and him being here among us, just, just start praying over the person on your left and your right. Hallelujah. Pray over them. You don't know what they came in here with this morning. The Spirit of God does. The anointing of God. Ministering to everyone, every person. Hallelujah. Unity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We take our position in unity this morning. We take our position. We take our position in faith. Hallelujah. We take our position in faith for our brothers and sisters in this place. We, we take our position. You watching by a way of internet, you're a part of our family. You are part, even though you're not here, you watch every week and you are part of our family. So, so we join our faith with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you. There is a corporate unity. There is a corporate faith. I thank you that even now, hallelujah, kingdoms are being subdued. I believe even now promises are being obtained. I believe even now, hallelujah, weakness, people will be made strong. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. The glory of God, the glory of God on this house, the glory of God in this house, the glory of God flowing through this house. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you for the glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for miracles happening. Hallelujah in this atmosphere. Thank you for the goodness of God manifesting in this atmosphere. Oh, thank you for unity. Thank you for unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2 says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom... All the building fitly framed together grows up in a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit. Hallelujah. This word says here that in whom you are built together for a habitation of God. Hallelujah. We are fellow citizens. We are fellow citizens built together, fitly framed together. We are fitly framed together. Hallelujah. We are built up together as a habitation of God. 
Hallelujah. We are built together. Hallelujah. We were, we were jointly supplied. Hallelujah. Every joint supplies. Every joint is connected together. Hallelujah. Every joint supplies. Every joint fits together. Hallelujah. And we are built up into a habitation of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Say this after me. I'm built up together in this family. In the family of God. God. We are are a habitation of God. God. Show us your glory. glory. In Jesus' name. name. Give him a shout of praise and receive his word today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.